Okay, we are learning Daf Mem. We're starting right from the bottom line of Lamit Hes Amit Beis. And we're talking about things that a person has to watch out for, be careful uh, when you're dealing with green on Pesach to make sure that it doesn't turn into Chalit. So the Gemara says, Amar Yosef, Lechlot Inish, a person is not allowed to do Chalita. Chalita means when you take boiling water and you pour it on grain. You can't take boiling water, pour it on grain, with two kernels of wheat together. Why can't you do it with two kernels together? One kernel can move and can go into the little hole in the other one. Right? We have these little holes inside of them, these little small holes, and one maybe one kernel will get stuck inside the hole of the other one. So the bubbling of the boiling water is not going to go onto the grain from all of its sides. But it might come to leavening. The whole idea is that the boiling water, if it, teach, if it touches all the flour, all the kernel directly, then it's good. Then it will make sure it doesn't become chametz. But if we're scared that one of the grains might get stuck in the other one, and the boiling water might not hit all of it directly, so then we have a problem, and you're there. That's why we say you can't, um, you can't pour the boiling water on two of them together. Another You can't take two different stalks of grain together and put them in the fire together. You can't take, like they would do like almost like a toasting. They would take two grains and put them in the fire together. Why? Because maybe some moisture will come out of one stalk and the other one will take it in. Because what happens when you put it by the fire? There are natural juices that are inside of the grain and they will come out. So Abaye holds that these juices could cause it to become chametz. And so we're concerned that this juice that is coming out, that goes onto, that goes onto the, that might come out and go onto the other grain will cause the other one to become chametz. It might not uh, bake quick enough. So if you're just doing some sidging to it by the fire, so we're concerned that the moisture inside from one will go onto the other. And once it's become wet, it may become chametz. And if you're not supposed to singe uh, the two stalks together. So So why, if you're saying that you're concerned the moisture is going to come out and go on the other grain, so even you can't, you shouldn't be able to put even one single stalk by the fire. According to Abayi, we could take it further. Maybe some moisture will come out on one end and the other end will absorb, will absorb it. In other words, while it's still inside, we're saying the moisture doesn't cause it, cause it to leaven. But once it comes out, it might cause it to leaven. So why aren't we concerned that what may happen is that it will come out from one end and it will go into the other end? Why aren't we concerned for that? If it's true, like Abai is saying, that we're concerned it's going to go out from one stalk and be absorbed into the other, into the other one. So why aren't we concerned that it will come out one end and go into the other end? And Rava therefore says that he doesn't agree with the whole thing. Any moisture that comes out from the stalks is just meperos. It's not water. It's meperos. It's, 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 it's juice that comes from a fruit. Like, like this is a grain. Therefore, the juice from fruit doesn't cause leavening. There's no concern whatsoever. Even if the moisture would come out, it wouldn't present a problem. So therefore, you could, according to Rava, you could put the two stalks of grain together by the fire. Says the Marvel, other band by me, Abai was closer, not because he agreed to Rabba, but for a different reason. The whole Agav Midlayo, because as long as the liquid is going, it's flowing, it's good, it's not settling, it doesn't cause leavening. So even if it will, uh, even if the moisture from one stalk will go to the other stalk, but the fact that it's flowing, it's not settling, then it will not cause leavening on the other stalk. So he's ending up agreeing to Rabba in Halacha that it's Mutter, but for a different reason. Rabba was saying, because may be a and according to Abai, it's because as long as the liquid is flowing, it's, there's not going to be any chametz. Amar Abai, where do we see Abai was closer? Abai said, If you have a, a, a jug here that's used for putting grain in and putting it for toasting it inside, in other words, it was they would it would hold the grain and then they would put it inside the oven inside of this jug. So what's the halacha? If they turn it upside down and they put it 
inside that way it's mutter to toast the green in it on Pesach because since it's facing down any moisture that comes out what's going to happen it will come out of the kli so it's, the other grains are not going to absorb it so it won't be a problem of leavening so that's very good as long as it's going down as long as it's flowing you don't have an issue but schifa I'm sorry, but if, but if the, the kli is, is standing right side up, also it's also to toast the grains in it, because what's going to happen? The moisture is going to be held inside the kli. So it's not going to be flowing, it's going to be held inside the kli, and therefore it will affect leavening on the other grains. So we see that a virus closer, as long as it's flowing, it's not a problem. So, so, so just like the inverted jug is not a problem for toasting grains, so too you'd be allowed to singe two grains uh, together. We're not concerned that the moisture for one will affect the other one, because as long as the liquid is flowing, it won't make leavening. And it comes along well, he has the same, the same argument, the same, the same vendetta that he had with toasting too. He holds over here with the jug. It's also mutter to toast the grains when, with the jug that's in an upright position. Because even if the, if the water does settle, the moisture does settle on the bottom, it's not water. It's just moisture coming out of the grain. So it's like juice of a fruit. So therefore, we don't have a problem. Even if the other grains will, will, will completely absorb the other meperos, uh, the other the, the liquid, the moisture coming from the other one, we don't have an issue because it's meperos and meperos do not make chametz. Continues the Gemara Tana Rabbanu. We learn in the Brayso in losins or on bepesach. You're not allowed to do lasisa to barley. What's bar? What's lasisa? So before they would go and and um, and, uh, and and grind up the, the the beans, the barley beans. So what they would want to do is just soak them all the whole the whole grain together in water. They would soak them because then the brain comes off very easily. And then when you go to grind it and you make flour, it's a much higher quality. It's considered to be a fine flour. So this process of lasisa, you're not allowed to do to barley greens because you're making them wet. So it's going to hasten the, it's going to accelerate the process of becoming comments. We don't want that to happen. If you if you did the soak the barley on Pesach, what's the halacha? Do we automatically have to be choshish chametz or not? So it depends. The spaku, if the grains split, as water makes them like expand. So if it made that the grains actually split because they, 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 um, Expanded, so and certainly it's going to become chametz very quickly. So then, asuras, we're concerned that they already become chametz. You can't eat them. Lonis bako, but if they didn't split yet, even though they became absorbed with water, mutaros is still mutter because they're not going to hasten. It's not going to hasten the leavening process so much. Rabbi Omer, he says, if you want to just make sure that it doesn't become chametz, I have a trick for you. Says Rabbi Yosi, sharon bechometz, you soak them in vinegar because what happens is chometz somsan, the vinegar contracts and water expands and therefore might split and become chametz quickly. But the vinegar actually contracts. It works in the opposite way. So since it contracts, so it doesn't have a problem. If you want to make sure that it's not going to expand, you just soak them in vinegar first. It now contracts them and it will make sure that it will not leaven in the future. So that's Rabbi Yossi's trick of putting it in the vinegar first. The Kamar says, that is not true. Vinegar does not have this power to stop leavening. Like Rabbi Yossi contends, it's not true. And even if you put it in vinegar, we're still concerned that it will in turn uh, leaven. Says the Gemara, we said that the Saorim, if you did Lasisa, we want to know if concern, if we want to know if we're concerned the comments, it depends if it splits. When the Bryce have said that the grain split, it doesn't mean it actually split. It means if the grains are in a state that if you put them over the top of a wine barrel, they would split themselves, that's considered split and they're also. Because what happens is, Rashi explains that the very strong wine, the, the, the aroma makes barley that's almost going to split, it will make it split. So even if it hasn't split yet, if it's almost on the verge of splitting to the extent that if you would put it on the top of the strong wine barrel, it would split by itself, that's considered split. And that's the type that's also concerned already is becoming comments. Shmuel Amr Shmuel says no more than you. When the price says splitting, it means it actually split. But if it's only on the verge of splitting, but it hasn't actually split, then those grains are still permitted. We're not concerned that they have become comments. Says the Gemara, once 
Paskin like this, the halacha, there was a small little village by where Chashu lived, Nispakum Hamish, according to his opinion, that it's only a problem if it actually split. So they did Lasisa on the barley grains, and Shmuel said that since they didn't actually split, even though they were on the verge of splitting, it was mutter to use those grains. So that's all in terms of doing Lasisa to soak the barley grains before you're going to grind it up. So now the Gemara continues, Amar Rabba, Baal Nefesh lo yilso. So Baal Nefesh, a person who's very pious, meaning not Maker Hadid, but a person who's very pious, should never soak any grains on Pesach. So the Gemara says, What my ear Baal Nefesh? Why are you saying specifically a pious person shouldn't do Rafiukuli Amanami? No one's allowed to do Lasisa to Atanya. We just learned in the Brisa, in Los and Sarba Pesach, that you're not allowed to look at Kila so barley. We said, but the evidence, what happens, it depends if it's, if it's split. But everyone agrees, you're not supposed to do Lissisa, so anyone shouldn't do it. So the Gemara answers, this is what Rabbi is saying, if he's a chassid, even wheat, which is hard, he shouldn't do. In other words, the price of before we're talking about barley. Barley, it's easier for it to become leavened. It's softer, so there there's an iser lisisa. But wheat, which is much harder, there's no iser soaking it. But we're saying that a pious person, even on wheat, which is harder, he also should not do lisisa. Says the Gemara Malay Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says to Rabba, Man, uh, anyone who listens to what Abba said, for Rabba, here when he's saying Abba, it's a reference to Rabba. So Rav Nachman's saying, if anyone does like you, you want to know what's going to happen? You're going to end up eating bread, which is spoiled, meaning it's not going to be good. Because if you're going to be eating wheat that hadn't been soaked before, then there's going to be a lot of bran in it, and it's going to be disgusting bread. So what he's basically, Rav Nachman is saying basically, is it's totally fine. There's not even a midas chasidis here for pious people not to do lasisa on their wheat. The whole din of not doing lasisa is only on barley. But for wheat, even lechatchila, even pious people, even every, should definitely do this. Or else they're going to be eating disgusting bread. So Rav Nachman brings, and this is what people used to do. Dabei Rav Huna in the house of Rav Huna, they used to soak the wheat on Pesach. Dabei Rav Rav in the house of Rav Rav, and they would soak the wheat on Pesach. So it's not a problem whatsoever, since the wheat is hard. It's even lechatchila for pious people to soak their wheat on Pesach before they're going to grind it up. Says the Gemara, Rav Amar Aser Lilsos. It's totally Aser to soak even wheat on Pesach, meaning. Mamash the opposite extreme is a total iser, not only for Hasidim, it's a total iser for anybody to soak even wheat. So the Gemara says, according to this third opinion, that which it says in the price of and Sarma Pasach, when you're not allowed to soak barley, so isn't it mash when it's only also to do barley? So or in Hudullah Khiti Sharis, but much about me to do to do barley. So according to the other opinion, it was only Hasidis, that was also we don't have a question. Because that price was saying barley is also maker adin, but it could be wheat is also to Hasidim. But now that we're saying according to the third opinion, that wheat is also also maker adin. So we have our question. The price of clearly said not the way the price was saying. That the only answer is to sow barley, but it's mutter to sow wheat. The Gemara answer is lomi bai The price was saying what it was saying in a form of lomi bai. Lomi bai We don't even have to say about wheat grains that it's also kit. Even the isbeit seria because it has the holes in it. Remember the those holes in the wheat that we mentioned at the top of the almond. Ayubumai. We're scared if you're going to soak them, water will go go in. It will like get stuck inside of the grain of wheat and will clearly cause it to leaven. I'm sorry. The sheep, when we're dealing with barley grains, which are smoother, I mean, someone would have said it's okay to soak them on Pesach because the water's not going to get absorbed in them as much. The Tana said, even barley is Osir. So we know what the din is on barley. The barley, the price has said on barley, you shouldn't do the What about on wheat? So we have three opinions. One opinion is saying it's for sure Osir because of the holes. One opinion is saying it's for sure Mutter. And one opinion is saying a Chasidus, Midas Chasidus is not to do it. Continues the Gemara Hadama Rava. Rava switched his opinion. Rava came out mutter lilsos. That actually it's totally mutter to soak the wheat. The Tanya says in a price, Yosemasniki, you could fulfill your obligation to eat matzah with good, clean bread. Bahadra or with bread that's not clean. Now, what does it mean clean bread? Obviously, it means that there's no bran in it. It's like a very fine quality 
a flour. So if you have Nikia below the sisa, it's impossible to make clean white bread unless it's first soaked, so then bran won't come in. So from the fact that the bride was saying that you are allowed to, to eat biyote matzah with the clean one, clearly it must be mutter to do the soaking, and we're not concerned that it's going to leaven. Okay, very good. So now the Gemara continues with another bride up that again is talking about this issue. And here what Rava's premise was is that there's actually never going to be clean white flour unless you did Lasisa first. If you have, uh, here we're talking about the laws of Tumah, if you have flour and fine flowers from the Goyim, so what's the halacha? Shokfarim, if they're from small villages, to Horeb, we assume that they're not yet susceptible to Tumah. What's the reason? Because people who live in the village aren't, they don't care about the cleanliness of their flour. So they, are, they don't bother doing Lasisa. They never they soak the grains. So if they never soak the grains, and then the grains haven't become Hokshalatumah, they never became wet. And remember, susceptibility to Tumah's Olam only comes after the food has become wet. So if you get it from the villages, we assume they didn't do Lasisa, therefore it's not yet susceptible to Tumah. But if you got it from people who live in fancy cities, Tumah, then it's Tumah, it is susceptible to Tumah, because you assume that they, they soaked the grains first when they were making the flour. So the Gemara now makes this question. In Dikfar, in my time, what's the reason if the flour comes from the small village that it's not Hoshul Tumah? Must be because we're assuming that they didn't soak the grain. But when the bride is referring to their flour, it calls it fine flour. So we see it's possible to make fine flour, to make good white bread, even without doing lasisa first. We see that the bride used the terminology of fine flour, even when we were assuming that the villagers were not doing lasisa. So then Rav is saying that if there's no such thing without lasisa of ever making fine bread, we see here from the bride not that way. When the bride was only talking about the plain flour is not talking about fine flour, meaning even though it said plain, the plain flour together with the fine flour together, and then it distinguishing the village and the city, but in a Hanami, we're not really saying it that way. We just mean that the villagers, when it's the plain flour from the villagers, that's not susceptible. But in a Hanami, there will never be a fine flour from the villagers because that's the whole point. Villagers don't do the sisa. So actually, the quality of their flour will never be fine, like the premise that Rava said. However, says the Gemara Basanafik, after Rava went out, Amar Papa said, My I should have refuted Rava from the following statement. When you have the heat and the wheat grains that they would use for a mincha in the base of Mikdash, in you're not supposed to soak the grains first. And the reason was because we're getting scared that it's going to become chametz. We're scared it's going to become chametz, and the law is that the menachos in the base of Mikdash are not allowed to become chametz. So the din is don't do lusisa, the kakarulu solas. The Torah says that you have to bring them in from, from fine flour. So clearly you can have fine flour even though there's no lusisa. So Rava's whole premise before that it's much to do lasisa because the bride said you could be doing it with matzah of fine flour is off. Rubber was assuming you'll never have five, you'll never have the term of solace of fine flour unless lasisa was done, and we see clearly it's not true. Menachos, there was no lasisa, and the Torah still calls it solace. Okay, fine. So people aren't so happy with what Rubber said. So now, before Rava had said that it was mutter to do lasisa on the wheat grains, now Rava takes it even further. Hadamar Rava, mitzvah lilsus. And this is one of the most fascinating concepts here for us in Sacham. Again, we start off thinking maybe it's totally awesome, maker I didn't do lasisa on wheat grain. We had an opinion that it's also for Yarn Shemayim. We had an opinion that it's mutter. And now Rava is saying further, mitzvah lilsus. It's actually a mitzvah to dafka soak the grains when you're preparing the matzah. Why? Isn't it so dangerous to become chamech? Shemar says in the Torah, you have to guard the matzah from becoming chametz. You have to proactively make sure that nothing's happening to it. You guard it. So we load the baisisa, not for the fact that you're soaking the grains before you're even making it into flour. Shimer lamai. What purpose do they have to be guarded? I mean, what do we mean, shimer lamai? The point is, 
that if the whole thing is just to make sure that the dough doesn't become chametz, then that's not really a din to guard the matzah. To guard the matzah implies that you are making it vulnerable. You're actually putting it into a state that it becomes dangerous for it to become chametz, and now still you're protecting it. And that's the point of Ravah. The Yishmaritim HaMatzos isn't just this passive din to make sure nothing bad happens. The Yishmaritim HaMatzos is mechaev throughout the whole production of the matzah to Put it into the state of danger. And to put it into the state of danger, therefore, requires to do the lasisa, to make it very susceptible to become a chametz, and yet still to do it quickly and make sure that it practically does not become. So if not for the fact that there's lasisa, there wouldn't be a din throughout the whole process of, uh, of guarding it, which is to make sure nothing happens. That's not what shmartim. Shmartim is proactive, that you did put it into the state of danger by doing lasisa, and therefore throughout the whole process of making the matzah, it was in that danger and you still were able to protect it. Because if not, ishim or delisha, maybe you're gonna say no, that maybe you can just, at any point, you know, just guard it any time, only after you add in the water, after you've already made it flour, then you're going to put in the water. At that point, you'll guard it. Maybe you're going to say you don't have to guard it the whole time, like Rava's premise, and proactively make it dangerous. You just, after you put the water in and mix it with the flour, then you just make sure nothing bad happens. But we'll prove to you, Shimur Delisha Lav Shimaru, guarding it from the, and after the leading, the kneading alone isn't considered guarding. Meaning, Ushmatas and Masas isn't just you protect it from then and on. It requires proactive throughout the whole time. What's the proof? The Amr Rafuna said, a dough that comes from a guy, a guy made dough and it didn't yet leaven yet. Mom's fresh dough that came from a guy, it didn't yet leaven. What should you do? All the Mali craves you may have. Person can eat them on the first night of Pesach, fill up his stomach. But he has to eat another kezayis of matzah that is shmura that a Jew made at least at some point during the night. Bachrona in Barishonolo. With the grain, with the dough that he ate from the, uh, with the matzah that he ate from the dough that came from the guy, he can't be yotze. Why not? So it's not chametz. We see we're not concerned with chametz. We let him eat it on Pesach, but he still can't be yotze. Why not? My time, why can't you be yotze with the dough that was made by the guy? Obviously, we're not concerned with chametz. We let you eat it, so why can't you be yotze matzah? The answer is, Mishim Galavad Shimar must be, because even though it's matzah, but there was no, it wasn't made, there was no, there was no mitzvah of Shimar on it. It wasn't guarded. So why wasn't it guarded? You got it when it was dough. Why can't you just guard it at the time of the baking? Not after it's baked, but the Gemara means once you have the dough. So now you're going to, um, you're going to shape it, you're going to moisten it, put it in the oven. During those times, you could inject lishma. If lishma, you could inject shimer lishma. If all shima requires is that at some point during the process, you 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 make sure it doesn't become chametz. So even if the the dough was already made by the guy, take the dough and then do the rest. Inject the shima from that point on. That the baking will be done without it becoming chametz. Why isn't that good? Must be. Must be, what do we see? That Shimur is not something that I inject at any point during the process. Shimur means that throughout the entire process of it becoming Chametz, you were proactively making sure that there was guarding. So you can't just inject it at the time of the baking and on. It had to be done from the very onset. So therefore, says Ravah, so now I see that there's, as we conclude this proof, there must be a mitzvah of Lasisa to take the grains, the grains before, even before it's flour, and dafka soak them and make them dangerous and make them susceptible to becoming Chametz earlier. And and then you'll have a real kiyam din of shmira the whole time. Because if not, there's no danger b'chlal. And the Gemara says, Rava's proof is not a proof. Mimai, what's the proof? How do you see from the case that the guy's dough, that you can't do shmira, that there's a mitzvah slisisa? Domashani asks, maybe it's different there by the dough from the guy. To me, in a denachas lishimra, we need that at the time that it entered into the need to be guarded, at the time when the water came in, at the time that the water is mixed with the flour and you're making it into dough, at that time, you didn't do any guarding. Over there, you're only coming after the dough is made. So yes, you could guard it from that point on when you bake it, but you weren't guarding it from the time it first became wet. So in a 
Konami, of course you're right. You see, you have to guard it the whole time. It's not just, the Shimo is not just something you inject at any point. It had to have been guarded the whole time that it was dangerous. But, but if it was, as long as you guard it, for the first time that became wet, let's say from the time of the Lisha, maybe guarding it from the time that it became wet at the time of making the dough would, would suffice. You don't see that you need to do Lisisa. So uh, just to understand what's going on here, Rava wants us to do Lisisa to soak the grains, to soak the grains before they're even ground, to make it really dangerous and susceptible to Tumah and proactively put it into the dangerous as a Kim Din of Shmira. And Rav is saying, because if you don't do that, then, then you're, not, you're not making it dangerous. There's nothing to be Shomer the whole time. What the Gemara is coming back and saying is that maybe all Shmira requires is that from the moment that it becomes wet, from the moment that the dough is made, from that point on, throughout the whole thing in the process, from that point on, has to be guarded. And in Akhanami, that's why Bitseko Shonachim are not good, because from the time it became wet, when the dough was first made, the Jew wasn't in the picture. And Lishma can't just be injected, Lishmir, Lishma can't just be injected at a later point from the time of baking. So clearly we're right. We see from Bitseko Shonachim that just injecting Shimur later doesn't work. But that doesn't prove that there's a mitzvah Lasisa to make it to make it wet before Bidafka to make it dangerous. Maybe there's no such halacha, and a person should not do Lasisa. Maybe it's actually preferable they don't. It's too dangerous. And just from the time of the kneading it on, a person will be careful. In the time of the kneading it on, a person will be careful not that it doesn't become chametz, and that will be that will be shmir. So the Gemara Rava was not able to prove, but even though Rava wasn't able to prove it, the Gemara said Rava. Rava did not retract. He really was still into lezisa. Rava said to the people who turned over all of his sheaves during the harvest when they were making them into bundles. He said, "When you turn them over, you should have in mind that you're doing the mitzvah. Meaning, don't put it into any wet places. Have in mind that you're guarding it That lishma, the guarding has to be done lishma from the very beginning, even before it's made into dough. The process of shmira on the matzah should be all the very answer and as soon as you have the grain. So Rabbi Lishitasol is that shmira is all the way back from then. That that's why he was so into the mitzvah of Lasisa to put it into the danger from before. And the Gemara says that Rava's din was actually knowing his mother would store the grain for him with a different, you know, like things, different basins. They wouldn't mix the Pesach grains with other grains. So they were doing the mitzvah of Shmira. They were doing the mitzvah of Shmira way before the kneading of the dough ever happened. They were doing the mitzvah of Shmira already when the grain was just there. So to summarize what we have, we have so many different opinions about doing Lasisa. On barley, we know that dinners don't do it like a but the it depends if it has cracked. By wheat, we have different opinions. Some opinions are saying Asr, some opinions are saying it's Asr only as Mil Chasita, some opinions are saying Mutter. And then Rav is coming along with a huge aside that the dinner of Ushmar to Mesamatos actually is Machayev. That is the better thing to do to make Lasisa, to guard it the whole time, even when it's still grain. That's a better key in din of the din of, the din of Shmira. And other people are saying, no, that the din of Shmira only kicks in once it becomes wet, but from the time you make it into flour. But there's no din to make the grains wet because the mitzvah of Shmira does not begin until I mix the flour with the water. Gemara continues, Ahu Arba Dechiti. It was a certain boat. It had a lot of wheat on it. The top of the Chishta. It sank in the Chishta. The Chishta is a river. So obviously the grain got wet. So Shaya Rabba Lezvinah Nachum. Rabba was matter to sell, to sell all the wheat, but they were able to sell, to sell it to Gaim. If they were able to save, they were able to sell it to Gaim, but not to Yidin. So it was it turned Chametz. 
We are concerned that it turned chametz because the grain, if it becomes black, it becomes chametz. It was not going to be a matter to sell it to a Jew. It might become chametz, but he was matter to sell it to a guy. So the Gemara asks, are you allowed to sell something that you can't sell to a Jew? Are you allowed to sell it to a guy? Isn't there a concern that a Jew might buy it from the guy? And he doesn't know. He just thinks he's buying grain. He doesn't know that this grain had been soaked with water and that's a concern that it might turn, turn into chametz. And where do we see such a concern that you shouldn't shell to, sell to a guy something that the Jew might buy from him? It says, We have a garment that Kalim was lost in it. So you don't know exactly where it is, but there are some threads in Kalim lost in the fabric. You're not allowed to sell it into a guy. Or make it into a saddle for a donkey. Because here, the idea is that we don't know it's not discernible where the Kalayim is. So the Jew, a Jew might come and buy from a guy or end up using it uh, as a garment and that will be a problem for Kalayim. It's not easily discernible a Kalayim. You're not supposed to do such a thing. What could you do with a beggar that where your Kalayim was lost? You couldn't make a trout for a corpse because no person would ever come to wear that. But besides that, you shouldn't sell it to a guy. What's the part? Why can't you sell it to a guy? It must be. He might come to resell it to a Jew. If he comes to resell it to a Jew, it would cause that you're not trying to, but it would cause that the Jew would be over on the Israel Kalayim because of you. So, so to here, why is Rav being matter selling the weed to a guy if the guy might go ahead and resell it to a Jew? So we shouldn't let uh, them sell this, this wheat that they salvaged from the from, the, from when it fell into the water, they shouldn't be mattered to sell it even to a guy. So Adam Rava, Rava said, you're right. That's not what we're going to do. We need to come, come to Israel. You should sell the grain one calf at a time, meaning only a little by little. It was right before Pesach. It doesn't say exactly how long before Pesach, but it was right before Pesach when this happens. You shouldn't sell so much to a Jew at one time that he might come to use some of the leftover grain on Pesach, but rather sell it to him just a calf at a time, little by little. So it will be all used up before Pesach starts. So if you sell all little bit, small amounts of different people, then we won't be concerned that it will be left over and uh, everything will be fine. Says the Gemara, the you're not allowed to put flour into a pot that's cooking on Pesach. We're scared that um, it might leaven before it gets completely cooked. So if you want to bake something directly when it turns wet, that you could do. But to put it into a pot that's cooking, that you're not allowed to put flour into a pot that's cooking. You're not allowed to do that on Pesach because we're concerned that before it totally cooks through, it might already leaven. But Rod says, someone who wants to Put in flour. So what? What's the etzah? Notice it's a kama because you put flour in first. Rakhnos is a chametz and then add vinegar. So if you add vinegar to the pot after the flour, so what's happening is it's going to make it cook up very quickly, which will make sure that the flour will be cooked before it leavens. So it's an interesting idea that the vinegar only works if it's added later, uh, because in that case it's coming in at full strength. But if it was already diluted in the contents of the pot, and then I put in the flour, then it already lost some of its strength and it won't be able to hasten it so quickly. So the idea is you first put the flour in into the pot and then you immediately pour vinegar so the vinegar is coming in at full strength and then it has the ability to hasten the uh, cooking process and that will make sure that the flour will not leaven before it gets cooked the man, but there are those who say another opinion often you could put the vinegar in the pot first and then add the flour because even though the vinegar was missed with the rest of the pot it still will have the ability to make it cook quickly when the flour comes in so the Kamar says, Man yeshomrim. Who are these yeshomrim? Meaning, we just see a dispute if you're allowed to put the vinegar in first and then put the flour. So who is the yeshomrim that you're allowed to do that? So the Kamar says, Amar Chisa Rebbe Yudi, it's going like Rebbe Yudi this time, it says in the Mishnah. 
It says in the Mishnah on Shabbos, if you have a frying pan or a pot, they've been taking off a fire and it's still boiling. So this is a kli rishon. It was a kli that was on the fire. You can't put spices in it, even though you're not putting the spices on the pot while it's on the fire. But to put it into a kli rishon, into a kli that was on the fire, it's forbidden. Avo, but rather, you could put it into a bowl, into another type of bowl that holds hot liquid. The idea is, is that you're putting it into a kli shani. And you're putting it into something that the liquid was transferred into a second kli, that's mutter. Kli sheni is not mavashal. This is the famous concept. You can't put spices into kli rishon. You can put them into a kli sheni. You can put them into anything. You're allowed to put the, the, the spices into any food that's in a kli sheni. He agrees to the concept with an exception. Except if there's vinegar or fish brine. If there's vinegar or fish brine, in those cases, because it's so sharp, it will make the spices cook even in a kli sheni. So despite the fact that the vinegar was already in the kli before the spices were added, we see that reviewed the holes that the vinegar still has great power uh, to cause the cooking. And we see that even in a kli sheni, it's also to put the spices in according to Rebuta because the power of the vinegar will make it cook very easily. So we see... That vinegar, which already diluted, it's already in a pot, still has great power, and that's why when the spices come in, we're scared they're going to cook. So that would be the Yishomim, that you're allowed to have the vinegar in first, and then put the flour, and we're, gonna, we're not concerned then we'll leaven, because we'll cook very quickly. So the Gemara says, why are we identifying the Yishomim like Rabbi Yudah, Vinegar, Rabbi Yossi? We could have also established that the Tana is Rabbi Yossi, the Tana, because it says in a price, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Shoran, Bachomet. Rabbi Yossi says, if you see barley that's soaking and you see that it's it's trying it's getting bigger the water is getting absorbed so what do you do you should soak it in vinegar and the vinegar will contract it and stop it from leavening so we see according to Rabbi Yossi we see that no matter when the vinegar goes on it's always going to stop it from from leavening so we see here that he also gives a uh, great great power to vinegar so maybe he also would say that if you put the vinegar in first and then the flour that it would make it cook right away so the Gemara says no that's not a good comparison to our case what did you hear Rabbi about vinegar preventing leavening that's where the vinegar is intact it's undiluted you're pouring vinegar over the barley so good the vinegar is undiluted it's strong it has an effect over the barley but once it's already diluted and it's in a mixture low you don't see Rabbi has any power so if the, if the vinegar was already mixed into the dish and then you're putting in the flour who says the vinegar has any effect. Rabbi Yossi may hold the vinegar is only so strong and effective when the vinegar is uh, undiluted. So that's why we needed to identify Rabbi Yehuda that even when the, the vinegar was in the Klishani already mixed together with other ingredients, still it was able to hasten to, to, to be so effective in cooking and cook the, 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 the spices even in Klishani. And we relate that over to Rabbi Yehuda here that you could put the flour after the vinegar according to Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara, both this way and that way are asr, meaning whether the vinegar is before the flour or afterwards, it's asr to add flour to a cooking pot on Pesach. It's always asr. Even though there is a solution of vinegar maker at din, we still say it's forbidden. Mishom, because we have the following principle, we always tell the Nazar to go away. It's go around, don't even go into the vineyard. So really, the Nazar is only not allowed to eat the great products. But in order to protect him from the sin, we say don't even go into the court, into the vineyard as well. So here, so here too, to prevent the sin of cooking on Pesach, we say, don't put the flour in the cooking pot at all. The only thing you can do is bake it in an oven, but to put it in the cooking pot is also even with the trick of the vinegar. The Kumar says, Rapapi. He gave permission to the bakers in the Reish Galusa's house to put uh, flour into into a, a pot. They were trying to thicken the pot with some with some grain that was dried in the oven. So the grain that was dried in the oven is not going to leaven. We're not concerned that it's going to leaven at all because once it was dried out, the grain was dried out in the oven, it's, it's already been affected by the baking process. So when it's turned into flour, it's not going to, uh, to leaven. And therefore, he was mad to them to use that type of flour to thicken the pot. 
But Avarama Rava, Ika the Sharki, Hamil, would anyone be martyred to such a thing? But Dov the Shrikhi Avdi in a place of slaves, meaning the people that raised Kalusa, there was a huge staff, they had tons of people, there are tons of slaves. And slaves don't really keep the halacha that well. So if we tell them that there's a certain type of flour that they're allowed to put into a pot, the type of flour that was already, that was already the grains was already in an oven, they're going to come to be martyred any flour. And we don't want them putting in any flour into a pot. We're concerned that it's going to regular flour with leaven. So they're not going to understand the subtle distinction because this flour is different than that flour, so we shouldn't let them do it at all. Who say there was a different version of the way it would happen? Rav himself used to thicken the pot with flour that was made from oven dried grain. The Rav himself, his mom was doing this, the halacha, he was matzah, such a thing. And again, this is different, this type of grain, because the grains were already in the oven. But regular flour, so if you want to bake it and put it in an oven, that's mother on Pesach. But if you want to put it into a pot that's cooking, there we is not suggested because we're scared it's going to become chametz. And again, we had different solutions. May Iker, I didn't about putting in vinegar, but the Gemara says really it's better not to rely on it. Continues the mission, other things you can't do on Pesach. Angels in Kamal Chazor Chavrosis, you're not allowed to put flour into Chavrosis. Chavrosis here doesn't mean the Chavrosis that we eat at the Seder. Chavrosis just means a dip they used to meet and used to eat with me and vinegar and other things, and they used to add some flour into it. So even, so, so, so the Mishnah is saying, you're not allowed to put flour into the dip. Evidently, besides for the vinegar, there's also water, and we're concerned that it might cause the flour to leaven, so you can't add it. All the sochamardo, or to put it into a mustard dip. The mustard dip as well may have an ingredient of water, which would cause leavening to the grain. But if you did put in the flour, you could immediately eat it and salvage it. Rameiros, Rameir asks you to eat it. Uh, whether you put the flour into the mustard or the harosis, we're scared. You burn it right away. We're concerned that it comes very quickly. It could be accelerated process. You shouldn't eat it at all. Just get rid of it. Now the mission moves on to the carbon Pesach. It's unclear what this, why this is coming into the mission right here. Carbon Pesach has to be roasted. It can't be boiled. It can't be cooked in, in a liquid, any type of liquid or in fruit juices. You have to cook it over to open flame. You could baste the carbon Pesach. The base of carbon Pesach means while it's being roasted, you smear something on it, that's mutter. And afterwards, you could dip it into a juice. But the point is that the roasting process will be done over an opening fire. You can't cook it in other liquids. Getting back to chametz, the water that the baker uses. In other words, he would always, the baker used to cool down his hands when he was when he was involved in the whole avoda. So the leftover water, as we poured out, it could become leavened. We're concerned that, it, that the, the leftover flour here um, that, that might be stuck to the, to the, to the water and become machmitzim. So therefore, you just discard the whole thing. Okay, so now we had a machlokas in the Kanakama and Rameir about the Bidi case if you added water to the Charosas and to the Chardal. So Amar Khan, Machlokas is the Machlokas is only about the flour going into the mustard. That's where we had a dispute. That's where the Tanakhama said you could eat the mixture. That was only by the mustard. The mustard doesn't leaven right away. That's where the evidence is So charosis, in the case where the flour is put into the charosis, everybody agrees you have to burn it right away. Even the Chachamim agree that it might be an accelerated leavening and you can't eat it. Tanya Namayachi writes also like that. You shouldn't put flour into charosis. If you put it in, you burn it right away. But if you put flour into the mustard, there it's a dispute. You burn it right away. say you eat immediately. So we see that the Chachamim are only make if you put it into the mustard. But if you put it into the charosas dip with the vinegar there, everybody agrees it should be burned. But the Gemara says that not everybody agrees to that. Amar Avunabar, Yerav Yishu, Amar Nachman, Amar Shmuel, Halacha Debe Chachamim. The Halacha is like the Chachamim that you're allowed to eat the mixture. Amar Yerav Nachman, Yerav Yishu, Amar Avunabar, Yerav Yehuda, Charosas, Kamar Mar. Is it a case? 
even where it was added to Chavros. So that's there, but the Eved, you could eat it. Maybe only by the mustard. Again, maybe the Chachamim only let you eat it, but the Eved, with the water, with a, with a flower, is added to the, to the mustard, but not where it's added to the Chavros. What's the difference? There's no difference between them. Let's Rav Kahana. Nachman said the difference is where Rav Kahana said. Rav Kahana said, Damar Rav Kahana, Masol, Lazo, Chachado, let the Rabbanim were only lenient if you put it into mustard. Now, the Chavros is inside Chavros. Here, because Rav Kahana, you run it immediately. So you see that Rav Kahana did this doing it. Rav Huna said, Lushmili. I had never heard of Rav Kahana said, I don't agree, meaning that he doesn't agree. There's a reason to distinguish if the Rabbanim were makel to eat the mixture, if it would put it into mustard, they would be makel as well if you put it into the chavrosis. So there's a machlokas, what the chachamim say, if he was put into the chavrosis, but the Yavid, could you eat it? So the Gemara comments, Amar Ravashi, Kavazai, Zorkan, Mestavra. It's Mestavra, like Rav Kahana, that, um, that the Rabbanon are masking by chavrosis, you have to be stringent. Why? Because Amr Shmuel, Allah, Rabbi Yossi, Shmuel said that Allah is not like Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi said back before that vinegar contracts the grains and stops them from leavening. Remember, you had barley that was soaking in Rabbi Yossi. said, Vice was, why just put them in vinegar and we'll stop it, the leavening. So Shmuel said, we don't paskin like Rabbi Yossi. So my left, so vinegar has no special power. So we should assume not only does it not contract the grains with water, and it also accelerates it. So this, so, so, so vinegar, if you want to put it into the charosis, which is a mixture of vinegar, we should assume that if the aloha is not like Rabiosi, we look at vinegar, not only does it not stop the chametz, but it actually accelerates it. So we should assume the chachamim should agree that when it's put into charosis, you can't eat it. And the Gemara says, well, there's no proof in that. It doesn't contract the grain like Rabiosi wanted. It doesn't stop the leavening, but it also doesn't necessarily accelerate it. It's pirate. So a regular pirate case, if you put flour into, into water, you could eat it right away. So we don't necessarily have proof that, that if you put it into vinegar, it accelerates it. So bottom line is, if you're putting, um, if, you, if we have a machlokas here in the Mishnah, what happens with the Evid if you put flour into charosis and you put it into mustard? In both cases, Rabbi Meir is saying, that you have to eat it right away because he looks at the, the charosis and the mustard or something which would accelerate the leavening and therefore you have to mamish, burn it right away. You can't eat it. A chamze could be eaten. What's the case the chamze are talking about? They're certainly leaning in the case of the mustard, but the question is what about the case of the, of the vinegar, of the charosis? So perhaps the chashash is that the charosis makes it leaven very quickly. So we have a machlokas in the Gemara, whether that's true, whether the Rabbanon were make also by the Chavrosos or not. And the concept is that we definitely know Rabiosi holds that vinegar could even stop the leavening. We know we don't pass like Rabiosi, but does that necessarily mean that it accelerates the Chavrosos process or not? That's a machlokas here in the Gemara.